one day more. I'll take care of this, Joel. Never seen a vest before? One day more. Another day, another Christmas Eve. A never-ending flood of lights and glee. It's time to deck the halls with cheer. Our credit cards all run in fear. One day more. I can't believe they've come to stay. When will your parents be departing? One day more. They're slowly driving us insane. And yet, each year we still invite them. Hopefully you've seen Les Miserables, wherever you say that. All right, Merry Christmas Eve. I'm going to see you all twice today. 
hopefully. We, uh, we have uh, the service this morning, and uh, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service tonight as well. And we're going to have uh, snacks after the service, and um, we'll have candles for everybody. So uh, we'll do our traditional lights out candle lighting service. So looking forward to seeing everybody tonight for that. And um, we're going to do our Advent candle lighting this morning as well. Today, the candle is peace. And so if we go ahead and have our candle lighters come on up. Steve, I'm going to let you light that. If you'll just each of you light a candle, start with this one. And light, yep, light that one last. Well, you guys are lighting those, I'm going to read. The fourth candle of Advent is called the Joy Candle. As we anticipate Christmas, let us remember the joy felt by those who realized what was happening. Jeremiah 31, 13 says, I will turn their mourning into gladness, and I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Simeon and Anna, like many others, waited a long time for the coming Messiah, and they were filled with joy when they met the boy Jesus at the temple. But John the Baptist was filled with joy by the coming Messiah, even while he was still in the womb. From Luke 1, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town to the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And when Jesus was born, the angels declared that it was a cause for great joy. From Luke 2, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Scripture reminds us that true joy comes from trusting in God. Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the true answer for hope, peace, and joy in this season and for all eternity. Thank you, guys. Let's pray. Father God, it does bring us great joy that you sent your son to earth to create a way for us to be brought back into your family. And we read throughout scriptures of the joy that the people who saw what was happening and understood it as they saw that, the joy that that created in them. And I pray that through all the uh, busyness that will happen today and tomorrow, the last-minute preparations and the family gatherings, that that joy would not be lost on us. For those who are dealing with uh, 
the sadness that sometimes comes at this season as they're missing people in their lives, that the other other things that they feel like they're missing out, that the joy that comes from trusting in you, Lord, and knowing what the season really is, that that would uh, permeate their lives. This season is about not about family and gatherings. Those are good things, Lord, but it's about you and about being brought back into your family. And I just thank you for that. And I just pray that the joy, the reality of that will help us to always rejoice in you in everything that we do. Father, I pray for the service this morning, that it would be filled with your your joy. And uh, thank you for the message that's been prepared. I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. hearts, men. We can't give up. What's the use? They think we're crazy. Yes, I see it, but it doesn't negate what we know and what we've seen. Maybe we didn't see what we thought we saw. Leo's right. The more that we talk about it, more people ask questions. It sounds unbelievable, even as words come out of our own mouths. So let me get this straight. What we experienced on that hill... It was just a mistake, an apparition, huh? Nonsense. What we saw was a fulfilled prophecy right under our noses, men. It would take more faith to imagine that we were all suffering from sleep deprivation or we all ate of the same bad pot of stew than to just believe. We know what we've seen, we know what we've heard. God came near, men. Do not be afraid. That's what the angel said. That's what the bright light said. You know it. You can't forget about it. Do not be afraid. That's the story that we've been saying over and over for days. There has been weeks. If you put us in four different rooms and you interrogate us, we all have the same story. An interrogation is exactly what's going to happen to us if Herod gets wind of this. Herod has killed for lesser things. Y'all remember when we ran to the barn? When we ran to that barn and we saw the baby, the Messiah, The story that we've been hearing about since we were children. The story that our great-great-grandparents passed down to us. Didn't we know? When we saw that baby, didn't we catch an inkling of what, of what our mission was supposed to be? We are not just mere sheep herders. We get to tell the story, gentlemen. To repeat that a savior, that the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. The joyous announcement that is for everyone. Glory to God in heaven and peace on earth to all who believe. I believe. I cannot help but believe. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Oh, come, all ye faithful.
Do you know what mysteries are? Have you kind of grasped that? You maybe watched some movies or read books and they have mysteries involved in trying to solve uh, problems and issues and things are not clear and you look into it to, to find real answers, to find out what really happened here. And we are in this series, Mysteries of the Messiah, so, uh, 
just to give you the reference points, when God created, it was all good. Then it went sideways. There were rebels in the heavens. A rebel came to earth, and then we had human rebels who turned their backs on God as well, went their own way, and the consequences of that as the world we live in, those heavenly rebels didn't stop there. They, there were more who got involved and took the world in a different direction, and we live in it and are so accustomed to the darkness and to the brokenness of the world that we live with it, think about it, engage in it like a fish does in water, not thinking one thing about it lives in water. Until you know what it's like to live in the light, you don't really notice the darkness. You may complain about some things, but the darkness is usually blamed on someone else. Our darkness is acceptable. And if everyone listens to us, everything would be fine, which is arrogance at the nth degree. And there is a God in heaven who so loved us that he thought... I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to give them an opportunity to live the life I'd planned for them in the first place. And I'm going to do it in such a way that the heavenly beings cannot get victory over them. I'm going to do it in a way that will set things right. He didn't decide to do that immediately or we wouldn't be in the world we're in. He decided to do it over time. And he has done some things to give us a heads up on that the mystery of the messiah is how we get there who he is what he has done what he's accomplished what that means for us what it means for the billions of people on earth now and those who have come before and those coming after it makes a difference for all time and we are engaged in that so we've spent some weeks looking into the mysteries And we are going to look at the mysteries of the heavens. And that's where we are today. So, here's the introduction. God communicated majestically. God communicated majestically. Jesus' birth was made known in the scriptures, in the heavens, and by angels. So we have a whole lot going on. Now we're going to look at those because we need to take a little time to piece some of that together. I'm going to read some sections of Scripture, so there'll be some of that, but I'll give you the references. The references will be uh, there projected for you, so you can can write that down, check them out, and you'll have a record of those. So, the heavens. Let's take a look at God's incredible announcement of the birth of His Son, the Messiah. So we're going to start with projection. The projection is that God is giving us some clue. He's giving humanity a clue as to something that's coming. And he has a way of communicating this that is all over the place. So let's see. Psalm 19, 1 through 6. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night. They make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone out throughout the earth 
and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete, eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. We, we have a display of God's glory in the creation. So the heavens he's talking about here is the creation, the, the physical, material reality that we see around us. So when we see the sun... We're watching God at work when we see the stars, we see the galaxies at night, the, the planets moving. That's God at work. He's communicating. He put all of those things in place, wound them up, put them exactly where they needed to be to accomplish purposes that he has. And he is working all of that out, but he put it all there. And the psalmist is letting us know that creation, that thing that he made is for us. And it speaks not with words. It speaks. And you've probably at times said, that's just breathtaking. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. I'm just seeing it at times. And you go, that, that, you know, that must be a God. Look, look what happened. Other people look at it and go, well, yeah, you know, we figured out the math. We know when the things are going to come spinning around. And Okay, but did you make that? Did, did you make that in the first place? Because if you can't do that, shut up. Shut up, sit down, take your little notes, do your calculations. You didn't make it. It's sitting there doing what it's doing because somebody else did and set it up to do what it's supposed to do at its proper time. So the heavens are proclaiming the glory of God and their beauty, but it has more, more to say. So we have some projection. So it's all around us. And it's so... It's so um, important that we remember that it is out there we just need to remember that it is saying something that is unbelievable and in romans chapter one it says that display and this is just just to let you know that all the people on the world in the world today have an opportunity to know the one true god and you go well you know we don't have enough missionaries some of them can't read these words are spoken to every person, every day, every night, in every corner of the earth, everywhere. Romans 1 says that because it's displayed that way, no one has an excuse for not knowing the one true God. No one has an excuse. Wow, that's pretty big. Well, we have more. So the projection, this is, this is more in terms of just getting the word out there. And this is from Romans chapter 10. And it relates to this. I'll read this out in another. It's 8 through 18. It says, The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. That message is the very message about faith that we preach. This is Paul, the apostle, writing to the church in Rome. He's giving them particular information. Chapters in 9 through 11 in Romans are addressed to Jewish people, Jewish believers. So it has some specific things that way, but he's also communicating widely. So he goes on. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
It's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Wow. Yeah. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news, but not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask people of Israel, how, how, have you heard the message? This is where it gets tricky. Because we've gone through this whole thing going, man, if you don't have human messengers, human missionaries out there on the field, nothing happens. And we just read Psalm 19 that said, he's declaring this all the time to everybody everywhere. And then he just goes through this huge argument. And he's talking about this thing in Isaiah. I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? And he answers his question. Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. And he references back to the line to the stars, the planets, the sun, the moon from Psalm 19 as it comes around this planet, wraps us every day, every night in its beauty. He says, they've all seen that. They all know that. It's all part of it. I mean, this is all part of his plan. He is communicating and he is communicating clearly. He has not missed it. Now we're going to go to the story so you got to have the story because you you know how does this all fit how does how does all of this that we're looking at fit into what god's doing how how has he done it what what's going on that maybe we don't see and and how we're going to get that information because we can look at the physical stuff and we can say well we see the sun the moon stars we get it there's something happened and that's that is truly the heavens but when Scripture talks of heavens, it's talking about a physical heaven, material heaven, that one beyond us, the atmosphere, the galaxies, the universe out there. So that's, that's heavens. That's the physical heavens. There are more. So there's another kind of heaven, unseen, immaterial. It has been out there since the get-go. This universe was made later it fits into a time space and time the heavens and where god is the highest heaven where he dwells has been around always so we've got a whole different thing to deal with here we're talking about heavens physical and god is communicating through that all the time to everyone he's also Engaged in the heavens, his highest heaven, where his home is, where the throne is. That's heaven. There are heavens between. And in those heavens, these dimensions, spiritual dimensions that exist between earth 
in the highest heaven, which can be counted as three or seven. So if you hear those expressions, the, high, the highest heaven, depending on which one they go with, third or seven, that's him. In between are different levels, and they're broken down for different reasons. But in the intermediate heaven, the second heaven, there are battles going on. There are spiritual beings who have rebelled against God. There are those who are on his team. Scripture just lays those things out. We, can, we won't do it today, but we can walk through those and see all of those things that are happening around us. I want to take you to the book of Revelation, chapter 12, the story. And this is John, John, uh, Jesus' disciple who is still alive. The rest of them have already died. He's older, and at the end of the first century, and the, and the Romans decided to put him on the island of Patmos to keep him from you know, telling any more stories which just gave him a chance to sit down and write this when Jesus showed up. So, you know, that didn't work. So this is John, and he's telling this, he's giving us some more information. And of course, the angels come and got him, and they took him to heaven, and this is just filling in more. And we get some idea of some things happening behind the scenes. So let's see how this plays out, Revelation chapter 12. He says, I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon beneath her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns with seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away one third of the stars in the sky and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the, from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Angels are just his minions, so his, you know that's some of the group on on his team. But he's he's forced out of heaven, and he's now uh, down on the earth. Some some things have changed. But when you read through the Christmas story, do all these images come to mind, or do you think a cute eight and a half pound baby Jesus is kind of where we're at? There was more going on. The spiritual realities are unfolding because there's a battle. There's a battle in heaven. There's a battle on earth. God is fighting for us. And he's giving us a clue as to how these things come together. Saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars. So there... Because of modern technology, it's possible to put what the sky would have looked like 
back at the first century when Jesus was born and then run that backwards and run back from what we see today, what would have been in the sky? And they find Virgo, the virgin, in the sky with the sun and the moon. And they go, holy moly, there it is. And there's this, they can narrow it down to like three hours that the, the some of this is going to happen. The 12 stars are surrounding her head. And then they can narrow it down even more to 45-minute time span in which this happens. And you go, whoa, okay. That makes it pretty significant. And that's just a physical. What's happening? What's going on? Is there a baby boy born when all of this is in the sky? Yeah. There happened to be. What was he born to do? Rule the nations with an iron rod. What, what is said of the Messiah? Who is he supposed to be? How is he supposed to rule? How do we reference him? That's him. He's the boy born of a virgin who will rule the nations. All the nations. Because God's bringing them back. All the people. The people who rebelled. The people who have gone another way. He's going to bring people out of every nation. Every language. Every tribe. He's bringing them back. And this Messiah. This baby born. This Jesus. Is going to do some amazing things. What does the enemy think of that? And also this applies to um, Israel. as In this particular scene because of the uh, things that are unfolding for uh, the woman but we know who the baby is so we've got we've got some access to information that they didn't uh, necessarily necessarily have unless they got into the scriptures or would read something john wrote her child was snatched away from the dragon i go wow so somehow here's this baby born but we're also jumping ahead 30 years, 33 years. And so we jump forward into this time. He's snatched away, and he's taken into heaven. So he, Jesus ascends, he dies, resurrected, ascends into heaven. He goes back to the Father. So he's in the highest heaven with the Father again. But the dragon's after him. Do we know that? Yeah. Because he gets to Herod right away. They want to kill all the babies. Remember that one? That's physical, in the physical realm. But also in the spiritual realm, the, the enemy is after him. As soon as he gets baptized, what happens? First thing, Satan shows up, begins the 40 days of tempting and uh, harassing. That's going on. He's dealing with the dragon. He's dealing with the dragon the whole time. The dragon wants to take him out. He wants to uh, destroy him. Now, as we've talked about in this mystery thing, God hid the information so that only after the fact, in the rearview mirror, can you make sense of all of this. You look backwards. So the information that was given in the scriptures, and if you're just reading through the scriptures and, and you come, oh, the, the baby's going to be born to a virgin in Isaiah seven fourteen, and you look at the context of that, and you go, well, obviously he's talking about these unmarried women who are out here doing the laundry outside of the city because that's where they were standing at the time that happens. And there actually was one who had a baby 
and then the invasion comes. So that was a heads up to here's the timing. But it's a twofer in prophecy, so that applied to that situation, but it also applies to another one. But they would not read through that and go, well, there must be a virgin who's in Nazareth who will come to Bethlehem and have a baby. That's what I'm waiting for. Nobody is waiting for that. Nobody thinks that's going to happen, including Mary. She got some information, but she didn't have all of this. Jesus explains it in Luke 24 after his resurrection. And he's walking with the boys to Emmaus. And he goes, let me just tell you how this works in the scripture. Let's just go back and look. Here I am in this passage and in this passage and in this passage. So when we read our New Testament, that's after Jesus said, now you can see it. And then they put it in there. So you got it as you're reading through the story. You got these little bits of, oh, remember Isaiah said that the prophet said this. Remember when this happened? And you're going, oh, yeah. Did they know that? Not till after not until jesus revealed it to them and then the holy spirit is going to give them more understanding of what's going on we have the spirit taking and the angel taking taking john into heaven and now he's getting this information and going oh man the dragon was after the messiah after jesus this whole time this thing is this is intense what do we think of? Well, there's Romans, there's a threat, there's, um, you know, it's, it's hard to get the all of the layers of heaven and earth that are a part of this because it's a mystery. And until we get more of the information, let me give you a hint on, on why so many churches have Christmas programs on Christmas Eve or Christmas around this time. The story becomes old news. I know it's great news, but it's old news. You've heard the story. So they have to divide it, chop it up, tell it another way, put a spin to it, have the donkeys talk, do something that that looks different, sing a bunch of songs, and whoever's supposed to be proclaiming the truth, whoever has that job, whoever that preacher is, will step aside when it comes to Christmas or Christmas Eve and let it be told by a musical group who have written a story and entertain everyone with that story because it is so boring. Just again, little baby, born to a virgin, everybody, all the women are having babies, so you know this isn't new. Here's this little baby. Cute. Charlie Brown, you know, he wanted to know the whole story of Christmas. And he got Linus to tell him, and we got, we're done. We just need another way to hear it, different kind of presentation. And then John gets this story, this story that says, that didn't just happen on earth. This isn't just a material thing. It's not just another birth. This is him. And the heavens know it. And the dragon knows it. The one we call Satan, the devil, the one who wants to destroy you, knows it. And if he can take him out, he can take you out. Guess what? He didn't get to take him out. He thought he did. So that's part of the mystery. What if we kill him? They all got together and said, what if we can just kill the Son of God? 
So he's on earth doing his thing, you know, teaching people to be nice to each other. Why don't we just kill him? And they did. Not knowing he would, that's exactly what he was waiting for them to do. It was a trap. We'll cover that another day. But all of those things are set in motion. And we think that we understand Christmas and we understand what Jesus did and we understand it's just another story about this baby. It moves me because, you know, we got presents and I was a kid once and it meant so much to have sparkly lights. And you go, there is so much more to this. There is so much more to this and it engages every being, human and divine. Everyone is impacted by this story. That's what's happening. Far from boring. There's no greater story. No greater hope than what has happened because of this. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels brought against the dragon and his angels. The dragon lost the battle. Good news for us. He and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. So, Think of all the angels. And, and we got that little heads up earlier that his tail grabs a third. So the idea is, I don't know if you've been exposed to this, but the idea is that at creation, uh, the devil took a third of the angels, got them to rebel, and so that's what we've been battling with this all this time. This that I just read you is at the birth of Christ, isn't it? Not creation. So the number of angels, he says the, the, the stars, he, stars often represent angels. A third of whatever was visible at that point. We don't know how many that is. We know that when John starts talking about the gathering of the angels around the throne, it's myriads of myriads, countless millions and millions of angels. Did a third of them? No. We don't know. I mean, this could have been 1,500. We don't know. It's not a third of all of God's angels. It's a third of whatever was there at that point. So he gets a third. But he is, I mean, that doesn't mean that they're not powerful and a problem. It just means it's not sometimes what we think all of that was and that it started at creation. It didn't. It happened at Jesus' birth because they knew something's happening here and this is getting bad. And God throws them out of heaven. What's that mean to... Well, that second heaven, that middle ground, they're not accessing. He's already dealt with them at the highest level. He's not going to have Satan come in for a conference. He's just not having him there. So the rebels are in a different level of those heavens. Now he's going to be thrown to the earth, which can be, when it says the, the earth, that term can mean the the surface of the earth, it can also mean the underworld, the place of the dead, Sheol, hell, all of that. So when he's thrown down, his bunch are causing trouble. And uh, when Jesus says in Matthew 16, we're going to come after you, and the gates of hell are not going to hold when we come after you. So where do you think these guys are? They're there down there and it's you know you can drill holes you're not going to find them we've got a lot of holes in oklahoma for oil and they didn't find hell so it's not that you know that's a spiritual reality 
another dimension like the heavens. But they're thrown out. They're angry. They know their time is coming. And the dragon wants to take down Jesus and anyone who's interested in him. That means they are here, they're mad, they're a problem, and they're going to come after you. This whole Jesus thing being born, that's a good deal. Hardly boring, hardly same old, same old. This story changes everything for all eternity. He has a glimpse into the heavens in Revelation 12. So we get a bit of the story. We get a little more of the material and the spiritual. We get the supernatural is unfolding. We've got the beings. We've got the players. We, we're seeing who these people are, beings are all wrapped up there. The star, Matthew 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About the time, some wise men uh, from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. We've got another moment of, of the physical, relaying the spiritual, and that God has a plan. These guys study the stars. They are uh, readers. They study different, different documents. They are the wise men uh, from Babylon. So some of them have been exposed to some of the stuff Daniel did, which was centuries before, but he had copies of the scriptures. He, had, he studied their language and their culture, and he had all of that information left in this group is from that same area, uh, Chaldeans, and they, he's given them some enough information. They go, this, this is a king. They saw the star. They've observed it and followed it because they knew a king was going to be born. The star was set. That light in the sky was set to give them a clue about this important birth. So important that they gather treasures, travel months, and they show up in this area, thinking, well, the local king would probably be excited about this. Not so much. But they show up with that information that sets some things in motion because the dragon wants to destroy this baby. And we have evidence in the stars. Remember we were talking about God set this up. Everyone can see it. No one's, There's no excuse. It's just there. He wound up the stars, the planets, set it all in motion. So that on the time or at the time of Jesus' birth, those things were aligned so that those guys in Babylon would see it, so that they would come. And anyone else who was studying it would have known it as well. And they followed it and came to Bethlehem. And you go, this is just an amazing story. God set that up from the day of creation when he made all of those lights that are in the heavens, the physical heavens, so that on that day, at that time, that's what's going on up there. Sure, you can sit down and do the math and figure out orbital rotations. and You're going to do that? You're going to set that up so that on that day, that's when that's going to show up? There's only one who can do that. And he has done it. And he showed them. And they showed up, and they go, we want to meet that king. 
Now, why would you call a baby a king? Why? Most of the time, they're called a prince, aren't they? They're not a king yet. He's a king. Day one. Day one. God speaks to Joseph through an angel. So there's spiritual and supernatural revelation. Spiritual and supernatural revelations. In Matthew 1, uh, Joseph was thinking, well, I just need to divorce Mary because she's pregnant. And, you know, that ought not happen. And they're betrothed. So the whole thing is you get a whole year of betrothal, but you're actually considered married, so you'll read it both ways depending on what you come across in the Gospels. But that's because of the legal situation, what that meant at that time. But he's going, well, you know, I just, I don't want to hurt her feelings, but we just can't go through with this. And the angel comes to him. So he's thinking about it. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, that the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Run back to Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. In that story, the world, first world has gone sideways. There's a lot of rebellion against God. The angels, the divine beings who have rebelled against God, decided to take women and have sex and have children. So there's a whole bunch of that. So spiritual beings having sex with women, and they're called... Uh, in in some translations, giants or men of renown. And so these are uh, unfolding. So here, in contrast, instead of Jesus coming in as, as a giant, he's born as a baby, just, just a baby. He is, the Holy Spirit has come upon her. God did not turn himself into a human being or in the form of a human being and have sex with Mary. This is in opposition to all that happened with the sons of God back in Genesis chapter 6. So he's showing up saying this is a whole different thing. She will have a son and you are to name him Jesus, which means he saves, for he will save his people from their sins. What did the Nephilim do? What did the giants of old do? They led people into sin. They more rebellion, turning against God, doing everything they can to stand in the way. That's the dragon's work. So it's a whole different group. This is the opposite. So here's the Holy Spirit coming, making a difference with this wonderful woman. And and then here's this birth that is pure and wonderful. And he is able to save his people from their sins, not drag them into them, not create more, save them. This is incredible. God's pre-event communication. So we're talking about some of the scriptures and things that are inserted. So this is, this is from Matthew 1, 22 to 23. Again, spiritual and supernatural revelation. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Indeed, 
that's inserted in Matthew going, this is it. This is the fulfillment of that. Had anybody read Isaiah before that, would they have known to be looking around Bethlehem looking for this guy? No. Only when you look back, after Jesus has revealed that reality, you go, that's it. That's what happened. And they will call him, yeah, God is with us. Here he is, God in the flesh, walking around, doing incredible things, and we get to be part of it. It is it's just amazing. The mystery of God, spiritual and supernatural revelation again. And this, trying to find answers to mysteries, spiritual mysteries, is uh, not given to everyone. So this is 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, seven through eight, but he's he's making it known that it's possible to know these incredible things. The wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, His plan that was previously hidden, even though He made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. Their idea was. Let's, uh, the evil ones, dragon, uh, minions, the other rebellious beings, the small g gods, all of them opposed to God, and they read his book. You know they can read. doesn't matter which language. They, they've been around humanity a long time. He didn't give all those clues so that they could go, oh, yeah, I see. He's going to come in April. We'll just get ready. No, you don't tip your hand. He kept it a mystery until after Jesus had shown up. There was enough trouble as it was. So just a heads up, if you're really getting concerned about uh, Jesus is coming soon, the end of the world is about to fall upon us, which all of that can happen. But if you're reading that in the newspaper or watching it on YouTube, just remember he's keeping it a mystery from them again. He's keeping it a mystery from them again. That's why he says... No one knows but the Father, even the Son. Only the Father knows when he will come. So don't sweat it. Just do what you're supposed to be doing because the time will come. He has taken over. That part will happen. When? It's not April. That's not how this works. It's a mystery and it's on purpose because the dragon and his minions are still out there. We're not done yet. We're still dealing with it. We will win. We read that in Revelation 12. He will win. We just get to be uh, tagging along. But if they had known that if they crucified him, that was the death knell for them, they wouldn't have done that. He didn't tell them so that they were trapped in the fact and killed Jesus and then all set things in a whole different direction. So we got mysteries going on all over the place. Here's another. The mystery of God understood. This is where we have to be spiritually listening to the Spirit in order to understand these things. So 1 Corinthians 2.14, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So there are times just hear stuff like this whole list of mystery things I just read and shared with you. Yeah, no, that's yeah. I don't think so. No, that doesn't work for me. I've always heard it the other way, and and I just I just want to get back to the eight and a half pound baby Jesus and have some snacks. And God has something more for you. 
He wants to reveal truth. And only those who are listening to the Spirit, who are walking with Jesus, are going to hear it, are going to get it. John got to go into heaven and get additional information because the Lord said, hey, we need to pass this along, but you got to be spiritually tuned in to be able to hear what he's saying or to follow instructions and write down what he told you to write down or to understand it after the fact. So we have an opportunity to look at the physical world and learn something about God. We can look at the spiritual things he's revealed in Scripture and learn something about God. We have the opportunity to relate with God on a personal level because Jesus has made this possible, because he came and he overwhelmed the dragon and accomplished exactly what he was sent to do because he will save his people from their sins. And he did. So it's a whole new way, a whole new way of living, a whole new way of uh, seeing the universe, of observing all of it. So mysteries. We have more tonight, so we're not done. There's more coming. So come closer to Christ. Come closer to Christ. Have you assumed you knew the Christmas story? Have you assumed you knew the Christmas story? That's why my brethren who are trying to find a new way to tell it just give up and go for musicals because it's the same old story and how can you make that interesting? Holy smokes. There is nothing more interesting or valuable. Nothing that holds a candle to this, what he has done and his coming. Have you assumed you knew the Christmas story? Have you presumed God would be pleased with your personal opinions about him and his purposes? See, the, for many Christians, it's just mainly God's there to you know, make things work out for me. Make it better for me. Make, you know, peace on earth for me. Joy for me. Light for me. Just, just take care of me. And what we discovered from this is it's glory to God in the highest. Remember the angels? He didn't say glory to Joseph and Mary. He didn't say glory to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest because that is the purpose. He's the creator. He's the one who's working this all out for our good. But we can miss his purposes and think somehow this all has to fit us. And if it goes really well, I'll give God some, you know, maybe some money, maybe a little nod here and there. That's not what it's about. He's not here trying to work out some kind of deal. He's coming to take over, take over in our lives. Ultimately, he will take over. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But sometimes we presume and think it all ought to be about us and our opinions and how we think it ought to be instead of finding out what does he mean by this. What's he telling us? There's more to it. 
whole lot more to it. Have you decided it's time to follow the star and get closer to Christ? He is the star, by the way. He's the star of the story. He is the star of God's plan. And he will return. And we have the blessed opportunity to know him and to know him closely. So I invite you to consider getting closer. And you may have been on that track for a year. And I still invite you to get closer. I've been doing it for 10 years. I invite you to get closer. It just gets better. It just gets better. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the things that you're doing. Thank you for hiding these truths, for the mysteries that have made it possible for you to save us. Thank you for the hope that we have in you, for the future that is definitely bright. Thank you for sending Jesus. We we join the angels. Glory to God in the highest. These are wonderful things and a wonderful day. Thank you for bringing us together at this time in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Amen.